Every time we turn on our television screens since the year 2010 until today, we find thousands upon thousands of people, if not millions, protesting in the main streets of their countries, asking for the removal of their governments. We've witnessed many revolutions. We've witnessed many presidents, prime ministers, governors being overthrown and trialed. What's known as the Arab Spring began in the year 2010 and continues until today. The contagious nature of those revolutions has even reached the shores of the Ukrainian government. As Muslims, while we watch such events on TV, we ought to ask ourselves, what is the Islamic perspective on governance? Who are the best of govern governors? And what is the chosen nation? That, and a lot more, will be discussed through the verses from the Holy Qur'an and the enlightening words of the Ahlul Bayt. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu ala Muhammadin وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين الذين أذهب الله عنهم الرجس وطهرهم تطهيرا Respected brothers and sisters, viewers I greet you with the Islamic and universal greeting of peace Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah For the past few years the world has witnessed a series of great changes It all began with the self-sacrifice of a young man by the name of Muhammad Bouaziz in the streets of Tunisia, protesting against the injustice which was taking place in his country. And soon enough, the streets of Tunisia erupted, resulting to a revolution. Then, this contagious nature of those revolutions reached Libya, Egypt, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, and many other countries. And until today, we find the Arab Spring continuing to seek justice for itself. Not only the Arabs, but some European countries also witnessed series of changes. We as Muslims, watching the news on daily basis, witnessing that the greatest injustice and the biggest form of stripping individuals from their human rights is taking place in the Arab and Muslim countries. Therefore, we may be asked by a teacher, by a professor, by a friend, by a neighbor, how come is it that Islam and Muslims have revolted against their governments? Isn't it that Islam teaches justice, equality, human rights, or is it that Islam is a religion that is careless or indifferent towards governance, towards the human rights of individuals? 
And this is an extremely important topic. It is what we deal with on daily basis. Every one of us, since we wake up and go to sleep, live in a specific country with specific rules and regulations and we ought to follow them. And if we don't, then we are breaking the laws of the government. Is it even important for us to consider the laws of the government? Or is it that breaking the laws of the government is something that has nothing to do with our faith, with the religion of Islam, with the submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? One of our great scholars present today states that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obligates one of our scholars alive today, one of our grand ulama, states that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obligates the believing men and believing women to abide by the promises and contracts that they make. And while we enter a country, whether we are tourists or residents, whether we are permanent residents or we're going to be there for a temporary period of time, either working or on a student visa, regardless, we go knowing that this country has laws and regulations. And by entering that country and that land, we ought to honor those laws and regulations. A believer honors his promises, his contracts, what is expected of him. A believer, a mu'min, a mu'minah is a person that everyone looks up to when it comes to being organized, being polite, being peaceful, representing the religion of Islam with actions, not through words. Therefore, as Muslims, when we look at the news, when we look at things taking place around us, we ought to ask ourselves the first question. Today, if there are Muslims who are corrupt governors, is that the teaching of Islam or is it their personal injustice? Number two, what are the best of people and the best of communities? And number three, the perspective of Islam towards governance. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad. Number one, if we wanted to create a utopia, a form of an exemplatory government, a community that represents the teachings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, brought to us by the 124,000 prophets and messengers. Beginning from Adam, to Jesus, to Moses, to Abraham, to Solomon, to David. What were their teachings? What communities were they trying to build? Rasulullah gives us glimpse of that community. He says, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam, إِذَا كَانَ أُمَرَاءُكُمْ خِيَارُكُمْ 
Number one, if your rulers and your governors, if your presidents and prime ministers were the best of you, that's one. What does that mean, the best of you? It means that number one, they're the best of you in knowledge of governance. Yes, I might be a good person. I might be praying the night prayers. I might be doing all the mustahabbat, going to Hajj and Karbala every year. However, that does not make me the best of representative and the government from the people. Why? Because I don't have the knowledge. That's one. Having the knowledge. Number two, having the skill. Yes, I may have the knowledge, but my knowledge is only good enough to write a book, to give a sermon, to teach the topic at university. But it, at exercising my knowledge, I have not been given the skill. So number two is a skill. Number three, the best of you means the most honest of you, the bravest of you, the wisest of you, the most heartfelt individual for his people and for his nation. All those qualities put together makes إِذَا كَانَ أُمَرَاءُكُمْ خِيَارُكُمْ Not the ones who drink, not the ones who lie, not the ones who are the biggest thieves in their country. In some countries they take a person, if he steals $20 or $30 of goods, and they cut off his, they amputate his hand. Yet the person amputating the hand is the biggest thief. Theft is in different forms. Sometimes I go to a supermarket, a deli, and I steal something. And at other times I steal the wealth of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that has been put forth on this earth for the people. I create a form of classification amongst the citizens. I do not treat everyone equally. A woman came to Amir al-Mu'mineen wa Mawla al-Muwahideen Ali ibn Abi Talib with her slave. Imam Ali gave her one dinar and he gave the slave one dinar. They went home. The lady looked. Amir al-Mu'mineen has given her one dinar. She said to her slave, what has he given you? She said, one dinar. So this lady became upset. She went back to him. She said, Ya Ali, ma ansaftani. You didn't do me justice. He said, why? She said, this is a slave. She belongs to me. She's a non-Arab. I am an Arab. I am a free person. You've given us both the same. Amir al-Mu'mineen took with his right hand a little bit of the sand. And with his left hand a little bit of the sand. And he said, what is the difference between what is in my right and what is in my left? She said, there is no difference. They're both sand. He told her, lady, you've been created from this and she's been created from this. Kullukum min turab. You're all created from the same material. There is no difference. That is the equality that Amir al-Mu'mineen brought forth. Therefore, the very first point that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam makes is إِذَا كَانَ أُمَرَاءُكُمْ خِيَارُكُمْ Once your government, your governors are the best of you. That is why Amir al-Mu'mineen wa Mawla al-Muwahideen was indeed appointed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That appointment was reflected and endorsed by Rasulullah 
Because indeed he was the best of them. At the time of Imam Hassan, whether you were the enemy of Hassan or the friend of Hassan, they were in agreement that he was the best of them. At the time of Imam Hussein, there was an agreement that he was the best of them. At the time of Ali ibn al-Hussein, there was an agreement that he was the best of them. Even at the time of Imam al-Ridha, there was an agreement. That is why he is named al-Ridha, he is titled the Ridha. Because everyone agreed on that personality, on that individual. Throughout history, if you look at the historians, whether they were the friends or the foes of Ahlul Bayt, they had a consensus that the Ahlul Bayt were the best of them. Ja'far ibn Muhammad ibn al-Sadiq was the best of them. Musa ibn Ja'far was the best of them. Al-Imam al-Askari was the best of them. The second point that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam points out to in creating this utopia, this great community is وَأَغْنِيَاءُكُمْ سُمَحَاءُكُمْ And your wealthy would be your most generous. So, once the wealthy have the wealth given to them by Allah, they would be the most generous of individuals in that community, not the stingiest of people in the community. And unfortunately, today, when you go to the most wealthy individuals within the community, you find them to be the cheapest, the most misner individuals within the community. For himself, he can have the most luxurious cars, the most luxurious mansion, the most exotic vacations, buying a personal aircraft, buying the most exotic vehicles. Hmm? But when it comes to the endorsement of the Ahlul Bayt, when it comes to the endorsement of the sacrifice of Imam Hussein, when it comes to supporting the statements of Tawheed, then they are the cheapest. It is difficult for them to depart from their wealth and they make thousands of excuses not to give that money. Thousands of excuses. As if that money is something that they have invented. Not the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed this wealth onto me. Allah has chosen me. Just like He's given me the wealth and He's made someone homeless tomorrow, I can be the one that is homeless. And the person that is homeless, homeless can be living in the same mansion. No, we don't think that way. Rasulullah says, if you want to create the utopia, the wealthiest shall be the most generous. Hatam al-Ta'i. Even though he was not Muslim. But look at the description of this man. They say that every day he would kill a hundred sheep. The doors of his house did not have locks. And he would feed every day the poor and the needy. And he would have sets of clothes. When people come to him, they, he sees their clothes not being the best of attire than he gives them. If they don't have a good ride, then he gives them a horse. He gifts them. He does not keep anything for himself. 
And when his daughter met Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what did she tell her brother? She says that the generosity of Muhammad is not in comparison with the generosity of our father Hatim. This is Rasulullah. We are the nation of Muhammad. And thus, we're out to learn. Third, وَأَمْرُكُمْ شُورَ بَيْنَكُمْ And you must seek the counsel of one another, whether it's a community, whether it's a masjid, whether it's a Husayniyah, whether it's a government, whether it's a board of trustees, whether it's within the family, whether it's within your business. Seek the counsels of those around you. Sometimes we don't even discipline ourselves to ask our children, our, my wife, my kids, my brother and my sister, and how to manage the house, the residence that we all live in. No, someone becomes the boss, either the father or the mother, and they dictate to everyone else from what to eat, to what to wear, to where to go, to how to spend the money, everything else. And the environment is the environment of a boot camp, not the environment of a peaceful house that we can seek tranquility and a peace of mind in. No. So shura baynakum, within the house, consult one another. Within your business, consult your one another. Even if you don't take everything they say. Amir al-Mu'mineen says, أَعْقَلُ النَّاسِ مَنْ جَمْعَ عَقُولَ النَّاسِ إِلَىٰ عَقْلِهِ He says, the most wisest, the most intellectual, the smartest of people, is the one who collects the brains of people onto his brain, meaning the opinion of others. And he creates a think tank for himself and he takes the best of them. And when it comes to our institutions, when it comes to our foundations, when it comes to our Husayniyat, when it comes to our Masajid, we consult the community. Then he says, فَظَهْرُ الْأَرْضِ أَفْضَلُ لَكُمْ مِنْ بَطْنِهَا if you were to do those things, then the surface of this earth is better for you than its stomach. Meaning it's better than for you to live and live for a long time than for you to be within the stomach of this earth, meaning for you to die. If it wasn't the case, then life would become meaningless. So this is when it comes to the discussion surrounding this utopia, the government, the community. Number two is when we look at the world today and we find this, the situation of the Muslims and people ask us, what is wrong with you Muslims? Why are you killing one another? Why do you have unjust rulers and governors? Why is it that the rights of minorities is taken away from them? What do we say? We say this is not the teachings of Islam. Amir al-Mu'mineen salawatullahi alayhi was one day sitting and he was fixing his sandal. So Ibn Abbas or Qambar came to him, he said to him, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, there's a delegation that's here to congratulate you on the position of Khilafah. This is an, the most important delegation that's come from all over the Muslim empire. They're here to greet you with the Umrah. 
Amir al-Mu'mineen was fixing his sandal, he looked at Ibn Abbas. Ibn Abbas says this. He says, he looked at me and he says, And he took one of the sandals, he was waving it, and the sandal was ripped. It had been fixed so many times. So he said, فَقُلْتْ لَا قِيمَةَ لَهُ It has, literally, it has no value. فَقَالَ وَاللَّهِ لَهِيَ أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ مِنْ إِمْرَتِكُمْ هَذِهِ This sandal is worth more to me than this governance, than this kingdom. إِلَّا But there is an exception. إِلَّا أَنْ أُقِيمَ حَقَّهُ Except if number one, I can erect justice, I can create justice. If there is a form of injustice taking place, then it shall be removed and justice shall replace it. Then no, that government is worth something to me. Number two, and to demolish injustice, to fight injustice, inequality, poverty, lack of education. Brothers and sisters, today our biggest challenge is that education does not occupy the biggest priority within our countries. If people are educated, they would never become suicide bombers. If people are educated, they would never blindly follow different groups and cults and create Poverty, distress, terrorism within our countries. Education is extremely important, yet we don't care about education. What is the purpose of governance? Number one, to erect justice. Number two, to demolish injustice. And where do we learn this? We learn this from Rasulullah and his Khalifa. How do we forget the hadith of Ghadir and Thaqalain and ayat in the Quran and how do we know that Ali ibn Abi Talib is the Khalifa of Allah, the Khalifa of Rasulullah? Simply, in the year 2000, the Secretary General of the United Nations, Kofi Annan, writes in his extensive report the statement that by itself should be the biggest evidence that Ali ibn Abi Talib is the Khalifa of Rasulullah, the Khalifa of Allah on the face of this earth. He says, and Ali ibn Abi Talib is the fairest governor witnessed in human history. This is Kofi Annan. It's not a Muslim. He's not biased. He is not one of the children of Ali ibn Abi Talib. But yet he is he's looking at history and governance from a non-biased perspective. And he concludes that he is the fairest governor in human history. Of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would choose the fairest governor to rule the people, to rule this nation. But when the nation neglected Amir al-Mu'mineen and it neglected the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa wasallam and the appointment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned within the Quran, the miseries of Muslims continues until today. And for us as the followers of Ali, we should take his teachings and principles and embody them within our lives.
والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته.